Welcome to SI Chats. This is our ovarian cancer series, where we're learning more about ovarian cancer, one of the five gynae cancers. We're hoping that by listening, you're encouraged to raise awareness and have the conversations that will bring about change, all in the hopes of improving outcomes for those diagnosed with ovarian cancer. We're your hosts, Maddie and Jess, and we're glad you're tuning in. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode in this very thought-provoking series. On today's episode, we chat with Jane Ludeman, founder of Cure Our Ovarian Cancer. Jane is an incredible woman. When she's not taking action to save lives, Jane loves to head off on tramping trips and spend time outdoors. We're really excited to chat to you today, Jane. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. So Jane, can you tell us a little bit about Cure Our Ovarian Cancer? Yes, so Cure Our Ovarian Cancer exists to help women with ovarian cancer live better, longer lives and improve the survival and reduce death from it. So why and when was it created? Cure Our Ovarian Cancer was founded in 2018 and it was founded, so I was diagnosed with ovarian cancer in 2017 and I founded it after my diagnosis. I had a really difficult time getting diagnosed and my diagnosis was delayed by over two years and when I was diagnosed my cancer had just spread and that took my chance of survival from from about 90% down to less than 15%, uh, which, which is a lot. And I was a health professional and I think I was just really shocked by how common ovarian cancer is. It's the fifth most common cause of female cancer death in New Zealand. And yet I didn't know anything about it. And, you know, if, if it had been my breasts and I had been diagnosed at the stage that I was, because mine was still, you know, by other cancer standards, relatively early, the survival rates would have been really good and instead you know I sat in this room having a doctor tell me that my life expectancy would likely be five to 15 years I've made it five now and I two-thirds of the women who were diagnosed at the same time as me aren't here anymore so it's pretty horrible and within New Zealand when I was diagnosed there wasn't an ovarian cancer charity Uh, there was very little being done in this space and then the type of ovarian cancer that I had it typically affects younger women so I was diagnosed at 32 I know a lot of people in their you know in their 20s some of the teens who've who've been diagnosed with it and it's it's less common but there there wasn't um there wasn't any way to donate to research on it in the world to donate to an ovarian cancer charity and know that you know one percent of what I raised or, or fundraised for would go to that cancer Cure ovarian cancer kind of was formed based on based on those two massive needs to improve the situation for women in New Zealand, but also for women with this specific type in New Zealand to try and improve the research situation internationally as well. So we kind of it's a little bit of a funny thing for an organization because we do a lot of work very broadly in New Zealand. Most of what we do is based in New Zealand, but we also fundraise internationally as well. 
well for research. And so we um, set up pathways so that other women with this rare type of ovarian cancer could fundraise for research on it and support research as well. And since since we started doing that, uh, over half a million dollars has been raised and funded in research for it, which is which is really significant because though it's a rare ovarian cancer, it affects oh, somewhere between 20 and 60,000 women will be living with it worldwide. For them to have a voice is really important. But within New Zealand, the work that we're doing is really making sure that all women, regardless of the type of ovarian cancer that you're diagnosed with, have the best chance of survival. So why is research so important for ovarian cancer? It's such a hard cancer, ovarian cancer, because it, it's very complex. It's a very diverse cancer and we, we don't have all the answers. We don't have a lot of the answers that we need. So it's not something like cervical cancer where you can point to and say, well, 98% you know, of deaths can be prevented through screening and HPV vaccination. Uh, ovarian cancer, you know, earlier diagnosis around symptoms awareness is important, but improving treatments and supporting women through their diagnosis will also improve survival a bit but actually there's this huge empty frontier where what's going to make the most significant difference to women's survival is research and it's actually really sad that that research hasn't been prioritised not only in New Zealand but internationally ovarian cancer has been really poorly funded compared to other cancers that relative to the amount of lives it takes. So why do you think there's not enough support for ovarian cancer? I think, you know, probably a bit of that unfortunately does have its roots in the fact that it is a gynecological cancer and people weren't very comfortable talking about it. And I think still today, you know, not everyone is is really comfortable talking about it. I, I, I did a speech to some Auckland University students recently and one of my trustees commented that when we put the anatomy diagram up of a female reproductive system that some of the students got quite uncomfortable at that and I think there has been this kind of background where female reproductive health has been a really uncomfortable subject and we haven't got to the stage where we're probably wet as comfortable as a society talking about it as say prostate cancer and so there are some issues there it's, I mean it's to be honest it, it's hard to unpack but to put into perspective you know in New Zealand ovarian cancer kills twice as many women as as females that die from the road toll about two-thirds three-quarters off the top of my head of the total number of all genders from the road toll and in New Zealand we spend more reducing road toll deaths than each year than the entire world spends on reducing deaths from ovarian cancer. Uh, so there's, there's this real mismatch, I think, in values that's gone on. And so, yeah, so as an organisation, it, it, it's a really hard area to try and tackle. But within New Zealand, we're trying to improve that diagnosis through uh, education to women and uh, medical professionals, through support, through advocacy and through research. And then we're also on the side doing that work internationally with um, to support some international researchers to benefit that deadly younger woman's cancer as well. So, yeah, it's, it's quite a lot, um, but it, it, it's a hugely important area. And it's just crazy to me that, that no one was doing this before really yeah it is it is quite incredible hmm. 
So that multi-pronged approach of research, funding and diagnosis that you're doing, is that the solution, do you think? Yeah, so I think there is really a space and a time for all of them. When we talk about diagnosis, there are things that can be done tomorrow to implement to improve diagnosis. And improving diagnosis improves the length of time that women survive and in some cases improves the um, means that people don't die of ovarian cancer and they, they live a normal life expectancy. Not as many as when we think of breast cancer or cervical cancer and, and screening cancers with screening tests because they, well, cervical cancer is really the exception in that most screening tests don't rely on just finding the cancer at stage one when it's isolated to the ovary. And that's a really hard thing to do with ovarian cancer for various reasons, because there are so many different types that are all unique cancers in their own rights and all have different biological factors and how they develop. And then you take the fact that actually we call it ovarian cancer, it's kind of a misnomer. What they didn't know when they, they named it and came up with those classifications, actually it's estimated that about 80% of ovarian cancer starts in the fallopian tube and then it spreads to either the ovarian or the peritoneum. So very kind of complex development, multiple spaces going on. So that makes it a really tricky problem to diagnose. Very, It's a much harder problem to solve than than some other cancers. So in regards to diagnosis, uh, there's certainly things that we can do to help women be diagnosed earlier, and that will impact survivor rates, particularly the amount of women who survive beyond a year. So if you're diagnosed by the emergency department, and normally that happens because women haven't been aware of their symptoms, and then they didn't know it was a problem, so they sat on their symptoms for a while, and then when they tell a doctor, they may maybe didn't realise the significance or they wanted to refer them for tests, but the district health board wouldn't accept the tests. So there can be lots of things that feed into it. And eventually the cancer grows enough that it causes a very acute problem that requires action now and takes someone to the emergency department. And so New Zealand has, um, there was a recent study that came out that found that New Zealand had the highest rates of emergency diagnosis for ovarian cancer of comparable health health systems. And so nearly nearly half of all women in New Zealand are diagnosed by the emergency department, which is, is just curable. But 42% of women who are diagnosed in New Zealand by the emergency department are dead within a year. And if you're diagnosed by other means, normally through a GP, that it's 17%. Uh, so there's a significant difference in the mortality within that first year, depending on how you're diagnosed. So improving diagnosis means that more women survive longer. So are treatments funded? In New Zealand, we don't fund as many treatments as they do overseas. And so if we were to take advantage of all the existing treatments out there, that's also something that could be done tomorrow. Avastin was about 2013 that the funding application was submitted. It's still sitting on the waiting list. It's been funded in Australia and the UK for years. They wanted to take it off the waiting list along with about 100 other medications last year. 
and we were able to put in a submission to say that's a really bad idea for these reasons and they were going back to reconsider but you know it's a long time where it hasn't been funded Uh, and so there are treatments that we could put into place that would improve New Zealand's survival but even in the best countries in the world there's really a, a a survival ceiling at the moment of about 50%, which is which is pretty low for ovarian cancer compared to many other cancers. And so those things are really important because they're things we can implement right now to make a difference. So it sounds like funding treatments is the most important? Actually, research is the most important thing we can be doing to improve the survival of women. And it's it's hugely important that we're really taking quite a holistic view of that because of how complex ovarian cancer is and all the different types and those interactions. But ideally, you would have a health system within New Zealand where someone is diagnosed and they can donate their material to researchers and they can look for various factors and research that and use that to develop clinical trials and then women when they get to a point in their treatment where maybe the cancers come back or or maybe you know some clinical trials people if they think it's going to be a good treatment people do take it as their first treatment where they have it have a newer option and then the information from that then feeds back to improve the treatments and ends up being in the if it's a good one you know changing the standard of care so everyone everywhere benefits from that treatment and that's that's really that's really where we want to get to and I think the the research environment in New Zealand has been incredibly underfunded the last specific government funding for a green cancer was in 2013 for $18,000 so there's a lot of work to really improve the capability and capacity capacity building that needs to go on in the background to get New Zealand to a point where it can and and there needs to be significant funding and more you know we we fund research grants and so I guess you know since 2013 we've funded many times more ovarian cancer research than the government but it's definitely not enough uh, and so it is something where the government does need to step in as well and and take some action on it too and I think New Zealand probably has had a little bit of a free ride in some areas of cancer progress because a lot of other countries have done a lot of other research you know compared to breast cancer uh, in the US it's nearly a billion dollars that's raised for that between government and non-profits a year uh, more than what's raised on ovarian cancer show huge gap whereas ovarian cancer is something that there isn't really any country in the world that's funding it really well so it's something where I think it is an area where New Zealand could step up and say actually we believe in women's rights and women's health and have this real strong value system around gender equality and so we're going to put effort into this area that has been overlooked by other countries and and set an example that's really what I'd love to see just on that, Jane, because obviously, you know, there's not much in the way of government funding. The money that Cura Ovarian Cancer uses for whatever you do, where does that come from? 
Yeah, so all pretty much all of our funding comes from generous individuals within New Zealand. So in clubs like the Seroptimist Club, who who've been a good support in public donations, we also have received a little bit of funding from from grants from organisations as well. But yeah, we don't receive any government funding, and so it is really the public who've got behind this work and said, "Yes, we believe in this. We think this is really important too, and are helping." helping fund it and in terms of those other actions Jane I think you mentioned you know things need to change around research and there are clear wins that the government could do and have and um, if only we had more support we know that you've submitted a or delivered a petition to parliament now and um, also looking to make some submissions to the health select committee can you tell us a little bit more about work in that space and what you're I guess looking to achieve through that process and learning throughout it yes lots lots of learnings about about how slow government is um, but but yes lot there's lots that government could be doing in this space to make a huge difference and so last year we took a petition to parliament and they asked for a written health select committee submission and so I have been working on that for the past 18 months consulting with various specialists within the field so the cancer specialists gps nurses uh, government bodies uh, who are dhbs who are involved with it and put together a it's the the draft of, of the report itself is about 50 pages so so it's quite significant outlining some of the really substantial problems that exist now but also some of the things we we can be doing to improve it so we deliver on the 20th of september and i am really hoping that government listens to it uh it, it's been yeah a huge amount of work that's gone into it but really what curare ovarian cancer is asking is that the government around diagnosis that we educate women as part of the cervical smear screening because a lot of women think that the cervical smear is already checking for ovarian cancer which it isn't uh, so that they have that symptoms knowledge that we have national guidelines for GPs and district health boards so that so that when women present to their doctor they're getting the best evidence-based management and that means that a lot more women with symptoms are actually being tested to see if it is ovarian cancer because if you wait to test someone when you're pretty sure it's ovarian cancer then you've waited a long time and that's that's not good for people and also resourcing around that so the district health boards have the funding that they need to do the ultrasounds and to test women and also that we have some sort of measurement in place because there is a huge data gap when it comes to ovarian cancer. That's been one of the most difficult things in preparing this, that we've had to go out and do a lot of the research ourselves to find that information because it hasn't been in the public domain. And I think when you when you measure things and if we were actually recording, you know, the delays that were there, I think, you know, measure, measurement improves performance and motivates people. And then we have something concrete around that 
we're asking the government to look at uh, the treatment gap between New Zealand and Australia and to consider the impact that that has in supporting patient voice. Rose call for a significant increase in pharmac funding because New Zealand is one per capita funds one of the lowest amounts on pharmaceuticals. And what we're asking, we're drawing attention to the huge lack of clinical trials and research within New Zealand and asking the government to consider a proposal from clinicians and researchers in that space to really make a difference so that New Zealanders, as I said before, can be doing really impactful research that benefits women here, but also can help shape the international environment and treatment of ovarian cancer. But really, it all comes down to doing things that stop women dying and help women live simply. So yeah, we're really hoping that government will pay attention to it fingers crossed now you just touched on you know how education is so important and how some women believe and i know jess and i we both thought i don't even know what we thought i don't even think we knew ovarian cancer existed to be fair let alone would you smear detected or not but as a medical professional yourself jane what did you know before you were even diagnosed or before you know what what did you know about this did you know everything or did you (laughs) so i should preface that um I, I was an optometrist, so I was a health professional, not a medical professional, but throughout optometry, we did get a bit of training on, on types of cancer because some can affect the eye, like melanoma and blood cancers that uh, we sometimes see in practice. And we got education on other health conditions like diabetes and hypertension and things. So I thought I knew a lot about about health generally, but actually I'd never heard of ovarian cancer. So, and that's not uncommon, about one in three women diagnosed with it have never heard anything about the disease. And of women diagnosed, as far as people knowing the symptoms, who could name even one of the symptoms, it's about one in 10. Um, So the symptoms can include bloating, eating less and feeling fuller, abdominal, pelvic and back pain, a change in bowel habits, needing to pee more often or urgently, painful intercourse, fatigue, an unexplained change in weight, abnormal vaginal bleeding. And so there's there's quite a few symptoms. And so it's crazy that, yeah, only one in 10 women felt that they could even name one of those prior to their diagnosis. Now, obviously, those symptoms are things that people do experience from time to time. So the really important thing about when you should be going to your doctor and saying, you know, I've noticed this change, could should we think about ruling ovarian cancer out? Is this there lasting for at least two weeks, two weeks to a month? And so if it's not going away and it's new or unusual for you then that's something where it is important to get checked out and it's also important to know that we've talked about some pretty bad statistics in New Zealand that some women do experience a really difficult time getting a diagnosis so if you're if you're not happy and you feel like you're not being listened to or it's not being taken seriously definitely get a second opinion keep going back again and again uh, on average women have to with ovarian cancer have to visit their doctor about three to five times in New Zealand before they tested for it so it is something where sometimes you do have to push and you know if it comes back normal 
amazing. Uh, that's kind of what you want. And it wasn't an overreaction because you do have to test a number of people who don't have ovarian cancer to find those cases where people do to improve survival. And when you say test, what do you mean by that? So the main test for ovarian cancer are a CA125 blood test. And that's, to be honest, it's pretty cheap. It's about $25 is what it costs the district health boards to perform. And an ultrasound, uh, in particular, it's called a transvaginal ultrasound, which is an internal ultrasound, which visualizes the ovaries better than when it's just on your tummy. And, you know, we do ultrasounds on every single pregnant woman in New Zealand, but they very can be very hard to access for to rule out ovarian cancer for some reason uh, so that's kind of what we're what we're wanting to change um, it is one of the issues in New Zealand but those are the two main tests usually though if you see a doctor what they should be doing is having a good feel as well and also doing an, an internal examination where they do uh, a couple of fingers up, um, into the vagina with your consent having explained the process of, of what's going to happen uh, before beforehand uh, that are gloved and lubricated and then have a good feel in the tummy and push down to see if they can feel any masses. Uh, it's not that good at finding ovarian cancer, but so so if that's normal, then other testing still needs to happen. But if they did find something abnormal, then then it's something that does should be seen and ruled out pretty quickly. And and that is one thing where if if they feel something funny, the district health boards are all pretty good at seeing women quickly in the instance. So as much as anything, it's worth having done because it might ease your process through the system if, if they did feel something unusual. Yeah. And so even if they felt something unusual, you know, in women experiencing symptoms that could be ovarian cancer, most don't have ovarian cancer. You could probably think of it like going, it's it's similar to the rate if you go along for your mammogram and you don't have anything else going on and they check it out so most of the time it's not cancer but the thing is it's really important that if it's cancer that everything gets done as quickly as possible so you kind of hope for the best prepare for the worst and yeah that people should be through this put through the system as if they could have it because until you've done those tests you just don't know if you look back at the work you have done jane do you have any standout moments? Yeah, that, that's a great question. And I think so much we want to do. And so, so it's quite hard for me because I'm so personally invested into this because I also live with the disease. And so I set very high, very high standards because really for me, nothing, nothing will be good enough until women aren't dying of this disease. But as an organization, we've been able to achieve some really, really quite major things in, in a relatively short period of time. You know, we've only been in existence now for four years. And so that health select committee document that you referred to is pretty huge. And it's, it is really a lot of the information that we've uncovered is novel information. And it's really shocking that these things are going on. So to be able to bring that to light and have that exist in perpetuity and it will be even better 
government acts on it, uh, which which they should, and they hopefully will because it is so important. But in regards to other areas, we're about to start up New Zealand's first support group for ovarian cancer. And so a lot of women, when they've been diagnosed, you know, it's this really horrible disease. And a lot of women never get to speak to someone else going through that. So we have uh, found a lovely counsellor who's facilitating it and it's going to be held over Zoom nationwide. So regardless of where people are located and even if they don't have internet, they can call in on the phone if they're somewhere really rural. And so that's really exciting to to fill that, that gap a little bit because a lot of when you're diagnosed with ovarian cancer, there's a lot of things that you get as, as a woman Oh, you should check. Oh, no, you don't have breast cancer. And so I think being able to show women that actually there are things out there for them specifically is really important. One of the really, yeah, really impressive things I think that I had luck on really early on is every year on World of Brain Cancer Day, we do an international campaign so within New Zealand we've had amazing support from Go Media who are a local billboard company but also some really incredible support internationally so this year we have a billboard in New York Times Square that takes up literally a whole block uh, and Piccadilly Circus so some of the most prominent real estate for advertising in the world and and they donate that space to us for, for nothing and we have this amazing advertising firm in top them in Gurham and they donate their time to design these billboards so we can have a really incredible awareness campaign. So that's something crazy. I remember when I found out about the World of Varying Cancer Day, the New York Times Square billboard, and I thought that it was eight meters and I was like, wow, that's incredible. And then it was actually 80. And I think it's probably good that I didn't realize how, how big it was because that might have been eight, eight meters seemed like this huge thing to try and get to, but actually 80 meters is just yeah it, it's pretty unimaginable really I think it's like the length of a football field or something so that's that's a pretty neat thing to have that and for a New Zealand charity you know to literally be on the world stage raising awareness of this issues last year the ad that we chose was an ad you can't miss for a cancer you do really drawing attention to the lack of awareness globally on this and then this year we did a campaign encouraging earlier diagnosis and younger women and we actually had uh, we managed to reach one million women in, in that age in New Zealand and around the world to give them exposure to ovarian cancer symptoms who wouldn't necessarily have that for many other means so it's really good but the the research is definitely proud of what we've done in the research space but have really big ambition and I don't think I don't think I'll be happy with what we've done until we until we have researchers uh, saying yes you know we've found this treatment and it works really well and it's going to save lives and that's that's really what we're what we're in this for to to save lives yeah the, that work is clearly phenomenal and fantastic but if someone's listening in right now and thinking I can't do that I can't go and get a billboard uh, <laughs> uh, that's that ginormous and maybe I can't be a researcher personally or maybe I can't afford to 
spend gazillions of dollars trying to build support research myself. What can we do as, you know, everyday people or listeners, Jane, to support your efforts and others or to to help prevent women dying from ovarian cancer in New Zealand? Great question. So I think the the most important thing for us is funding and that is a really it's a really difficult area and the more we're very small compared to a lot of other cancer charities and the more funding we have the more we can do the more research we can fund the more impact we can have so if you're at home and you're like what can I do a donation is really helpful, monthly even better. And, you know, our smallest monthly donor gives $2 a month. And, you know, we have some incredible people giving hundreds of dollars a month. But it's really, I think that's something that's in in the rounds for a lot of people. Holding fundraisers are really useful as well. I mean, the Seroptimist Club have been great holding their events to raise funding very appreciative of that and what what you and Maddie have done but I think also you know if someone's like no you know I don't I can't do that financially and I, and I don't have the ability to go out and fundraise then just talking about ovarian cancer honestly because a lot of the barriers that exist really relate to that lack of that lack of conversation around it and that when we don't talk about stuff then it develops a stigma and it feels a bit weird and actually we're talking about something that you've never heard anyone else talk about before so I think as a society we just really need to work quite hard at breaking down those barriers and making sure that we do talk about things like ovarian cancer uh, and just get used to saying the word, you know, ovary in a conversation to people in public. So you could use some of the statistics that we talked about. Did you know that ovarian cancer is the fifth most common cause of cancer death in New Zealand and it kills four times as many women as cervical cancer? I'd never heard of that before and I didn't realise cervical smears didn't check for it. Or um, that did you know that New Zealand spends more on road safety a year than the entire world spends on ovarian cancer research despite ovarian cancer killing more women than the road toll within New Zealand you know there's there's lots of lots of good conversation starters that you can do to just get the word out there and I think yeah the more we talk about it then the more it's in the public domain and the more normal it becomes and the more acceptable people are and then the more it will get funding the more equitable it will be we'll start off ovary I'm saying it I'm adding it in the conversation (laughs) (laughs) if only we could get the Minister of Health to say the word ovary. So on that, Jane, if you could have one conversation with the Minister of Health, what would you say? I would say that ovarian cancer is a critical health concern in New Zealand that has been overlooked for decades, and it's something that we are doing poorly as a country and a lot of other countries are significantly under investing in and New Zealanders need the government to urgently invest in ovarian cancer research to improve women's survival and stop unnecessary deaths from ovarian cancer. On that note, a statistic I haven't mentioned yet, research really 
does make a difference. So in the 1970s, the survival rates of prostate and ovarian cancer were really similar. And now prostate cancer survivals over double ovarian cancer. So, you know, that that difference truly does make a huge difference to the amount of women who get to live. So it is it is so important that we do something about it urgently. Brilliant. Jane, the floor is yours. If you were to leave our listeners today with one key message or an encouraging action, what would that be? Talk about ovaries. <laughs> we yeah, we can all do our bit to normalize the conversation talk about them and if you can fund them because this is a huge health issue for women and you know it's in all of our power to make a difference awesome well we'll make it our mission to say the word ovary at least once a day but thank you so much jane we really appreciated you giving up your time to speak to us we know you're super super busy with all the all the amazing work you do for cure ovarian cancer and not only for that but for all the women in new zealand we really admire what you do so thank you so much Thank you. It's been a real pleasure speaking to you all today. Really appreciate your work. Thanks for listening. Join us next time as we continue to learn more about ovarian cancer and what we can all do to improve outcomes. Remember, Remember early detection is vital for survival. survival.